Welcome to Project Update, a podcast about the projects we're working on and the websites we're launching. I'm Joe Simpson. And I'm Dave Ramsey. How's it going, Dave? Uh, Doing good. Joe, how are you doing? Pretty good. Apologies if this episode sounds quite a bit different than normal, but Dave and I are actually recording this in person since it's the first time we've seen each other in like a year and a half. And we've never actually done an episode when we're in the same county at the same time before. (laughs) It it seemed appropriately post-vaccination-ish to spend a little time hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. So today is my two weeks since I'm had my second shot. So I am now fully vaccinated or I'm done cooking or the (laughs) the reduction is finished. How do you want to put it? So what's going on? Oh, well, uh, I, I've mentioned a couple of times over the last couple of episodes, the kind of shutdown of my old company, mm. Workflow Data Systems, and finally got like all the final official backups done and things like that. So I could actually shut down the server. Oh, nice. The giant server rack? The giant server rack that's been in my office space. Frequent now, guest on the Massively Unqualified <laughs> Development Podcast. <laughs> I mean, it's been in a, a seriously noise-canceling rack, but it has its kind of own fan noise. And because of how much heat was generated by the thing, the fans on the noise-canceling rack had to be turned up. Mm-hmm. And it's pumping out so much heat that I had to have extra like window-based ventilation to circulate the air in the room. And so this room in my house has been noisy for like 13 years, Ugh. 24 hours a day. It's just been noisy. And I go in there now and like, I can hear the fan on the iMac. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I, I never really cared about iMac fan noise because it was never loud enough to be on the radar at all. Yeah. And so going through and pulling these fiber channel cables and powering all this stuff down and making sure things are properly labeled so that if in two years I need to dig into that for some old customer or something, I'm capable. You need to turn the the rack itself into like a VR accessories closet. <laughs> all the little trays to pull out the you know different controllers and mods and stuff yeah i mean that would be cool if it was anywhere near where i played with any of the vr stuff yeah but it's almost at the opposite end of the house and up a floor mm. and the other thing is this this noise canceling rack is heavy yeah and it's also got a little bit of that um uh in uh, uh the long no, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detection Agency mm-hmm. by Douglas Adams. Um, there was a couch that had oh. gotten halfway up the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> and he was running this computer simulation that suggested that not only was it going to be impossible to get the couch the rest of the way up the stairs, but it, that it never could have gotten to the landing in the first place. <laughs> that, that was just a physically impossible occurrence. That's basically how this is. There's a, there's a tight little turn in this stairwell and some professional movers got this thing up there and we actually tried to get this rack out of that room one time and very nearly had to call the fire department because i found myself trapped between it and the wall and couldn't get out and it's about half on top of me and i didn't 
panic, but it was close. Like I could, I could feel panic hovering where I'm like, crap, somebody is going to be using a chainsaw or the jaws of life three inches from my face. Like it was having a car accident in your own house. First time the jaws of life are used on a server rack. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Without disassembling it and chopping it into smaller pieces, that rag is going nowhere. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to offer it to the people I sell the house to in another 20 years, just in case they want a box to keep children in or something. Um, Very loud children. Yeah, yeah. Just a place that you can kind of stick your head in there and scream for a while and nobody's going to hear it. And uh, yeah, trying to get a little more social. A friend of mine had a birthday party over the weekend. And they rented out uh, a small theater in one of the local movie theaters. And we sat down and watched an old Clint Eastwood movie Mm. on the big screen. And it was great. Um, I was even surprised that once the movie started, everybody in the audience shut up. (laughs) Which is always my problem with movie theaters. I don't want to be reminded that I'm sitting in the movie theater with a bunch of other people. I want to watch the movie on the big screen with the good sound so yeah it's kind of a joke with some of my friends that we get together in their home theater and watch anime movies or sci-fi movies and we're all three kind of chatty the whole time and you know a while back they said we should invite dave to one of these like no dave will kill us (laughs) (laughs) none of us will leave here alive we invite dave to one of these or dave will just get up 15 minutes into the first thing yeah it's it's i I fully acknowledge that I'm annoying in that way, but there's really no fixing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, granted, we're we're almost always watching something we've already seen. Before, yeah. So. And then in kind of a three steps forward, one step back sort of way, you know, trying to get used to um, being more social and such. We were planning this episode, and I was all geared up, ready to go, and woke up this morning and just blowing my nose constantly and i'm like oh gosh i was social this weekend did did i get sick and i I take my allergy medicine and i'm checking with you like are you having allergy attacks because this just it feels weird but it's too fresh i don't know and i'm like concerned yeah no i'm not concerned that i have covid because it's not matching covid criteria and i'm well and fully vaccinated so the odds are really low but oh gosh yeah now that I'm social again, I also have to be concerned about getting other people sick again. Like, I haven't had to worry about getting other people ill in any capacity for a year and a half. Yeah. So, yeah, three steps forward, one step back. It's not not terrible, but it was a surprise to me. Um, my biggest problem overall is just still kind of very mentally overwhelmed. Yeah. Just too much stuff running around in my head. Um. And it's, it's, it's really, really hurting my productivity. Yeah. And the little things that I've tried to do to fix that stuff so far hasn't worked. And I know kind of a nuke. <laughs> I can nuke my brain, pave it and start over. It's the, the productivity and mental slash emotional equivalent of, uh, uh, uh email bankruptcy mm-hmm. but uh taking another run at doing gtd responsibility bankruptcy yes 
uh, David Allen's Getting Things Done, which starts with take everything in your brain and dump it out onto little pieces of paper. Mm -hmm. And then you can, there are specific processes for organizing those pieces of paper and turning it into small achievable tasks that you don't have to think about. You can just kind of do. Or I would say even more importantly, getting them out of your head and knowing that they're already captured somewhere else. I think that is the biggest part. Yeah. How you organize the stuff or if you organize the stuff is a totally separate thing, but getting it written down or typed out or spoken into a voice app or whatever, that step is the biggest thing for me. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not keeping multiple things in the back of my mind until I, you know, can get a chance to write it down. And that's where things like the Apple watch, and being able to just you know create reminders or tasks so i use drafts a lot so i'll capture stuff in there but just having like a something super easy low to no friction capture device and then repeatable reproducible processes to go and get that stuff and, and kind of triage or do something mm. with that that's about all the gtd i do i don't do any of the rest of the stuff of like how to, how he does projects and contacts and any of that stuff i just it's all about the capture and I'll deal with it later thing. And I've got the daily part of I'll deal with it later towards the end of the day. And I've also got the weekly, mm -hmm. you know, here's all the stuff I didn't want to get to during the week. And that's honestly, having gone through this process before, I know that your weekly review is the critical thing. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like capture is really important, but the weekly review is what makes or breaks yeah long-term stuff but honestly i'd be fine if i could just get three weeks of sanity yeah and i can do that with a single capture cycle mm -hmm. it'll it'll age out if i'm not doing the reviews but a single capture cycle would would just get it all out of my brain yeah i so re vividly remember the first time i did it and it took me about two days like eight hours a day to dump my brain but when i was done i felt slightly drunk mm -hmm. there's that that feeling when you like when you would turn your head and your eyes would focus a moment later it was like my eyes were wiggling around in my skull because there was there was no pressure holding it all in place yeah um and i i just i've got to clear out some space i try and do something with my brain and it pops out immediately because there's just there's no room left mm -hmm. so um so yeah that i think is the project for the week and the hardest part is keeping that in my head long enough to start yeah um because even that is trying to pop out like no, no no that's too much it's gonna take a ton of effort i'm like but you have to do it <laughs> you, you can't keep going the way you're going dave you just can't you have to fix something and this is a thing that you know works so, so here here it is you heard it here first this week's fm perception office hours is dave's brain dump everybody just <laughs> ask him questions the whole time <laughs> everybody bring index cards and sharpies <laughs> so uh what have you been working on so i launched the project that we've talked about a couple of times the last month or so it is a new website called The Extended Collection at extendedcollection.com. There's also a Twitter account that I'll link in the show notes. 
And essentially it is a place where I'm collecting and curating links to the immersive web. And the immersive web being a lot of the WebXR, the VR and AR stuff that I've been talking about a lot over the last year. And just, I'm approaching this as a place where non-technical people can go and find out interesting things they can do with their VR headset or soon to be AR glasses. Um, just find out things they can do on the web without you know, doing everything through an app store. So it's going pretty well. I launched it last Sunday and got some pretty good traction on Twitter. A lot of people in the WebXR space have shared it. And for the time being, I'm kind of sharing it amongst the developer community because that's, and the enthusiast kind of VR community, because that's who is here right now. But this is a project that will take a very long time to kind of scale up into something bigger, mm -hmm. um, probably three or four years of just like constantly updating the library, adding new stuff, writing spotlight posts, interviewing people, you know, creating custom collections, stuff like that. It's just going to take a long time right. of making content. So I didn't want to spend too much time talking about the content here. That's more for the site itself. But since this is a, a podcast about development, I wanted to talk about how I built the thing and why I made the decisions that I did. Mm -hmm. so, Sounds great. Long-time listeners will know that I have some issues with my hands and wrists, particularly my right hand and wrist, uh, from using a computer way too much. So one of the things I wanted to do with this project is make it as kind of non-technical as possible. And, you know, when I was first coming up with the idea, I was going to make my own SQL database, make my own API, make a whole site for it, do all, do everything myself. Nice so, big view project. Yeah. View or React or just some monolithic thing. And I could, I could see how to do all of that, but just the sheer amount of time and typing and work that it was going to mm -hmm. take, like it just, it would probably be six months before I was, I had something that I would, would want to ship and I didn't want to wait that long and I didn't want to do the work. I mean, this is an unpaid project. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to keep it, keep the technical side down. So I went with WordPress. And then the second thing I thought about was I'll do this WordPress version where I'll, I'll use the, the core WordPress features for things like spotlight posts and collections and editorial content, but then I'll make a custom taxonomy for the library of links and I'll make custom or custom post type for the library of links and custom taxonomies to organize it all by. And I started doing some of that. And that was also one of those bottom pits. <laughs> like, I can work on this for a long time. So I may eventually come back to that idea, but from what I've done now is I've basically got a brand new WordPress install. There's a theme I really like that I've used several times before called the cadence theme. Actually, it's the first time using this particular theme, but I've used other themes by this company. Okay. So they, they kind of deprecated their other five themes and rolled them all into this one new product. Um, and it's really good. It's got some really great features. So I'm using, you know, modern WordPress, modern PHP, the new cadence theme, and went through over a weekend and did all the design for the site. So I created some sample records, you know, a couple of posts, a couple of library things, a collection, spotlight post. And I used that to design the site. So I, you know, picked out the fonts that I wanted, the colors that I wanted, and just kind of loosely customized the cadence theme to get it into a position that I wanted. And then 
rather than have different like buckets of data for the library links versus collections versus the spotlight stuff, I put all of those in the post table, which is, you know, from a, a long time database developer, that sounds like you shouldn't do that. <laughs> One category to rule them all. Yeah. But instead I, I categorized those. So I'm using WordPress categories for collections, library. Library has embedded categories for VR and AR, and then another one for spotlights. And I'll probably have more of an editorial section as well over time. So everything is in the WordPress post table. And then I added a little bit of support for WordPress uh, post formats, which is kind of a little used, little known feature where a blog post can have different kind of formats. And some themes don't even acknowledge this at all. It's, it's not a heavily used feature in WordPress, but the standard WordPress blog post just has a standard type. And if you enable this feature, you can pick on the drop down of, you know, this is a video, this is a uh, like a gallery image type of you know captioning thing or a quote or a in a side like WordPress version of a tweet and a link. So I made I enabled the link post style and then I'm using a couple of custom fields. There's a, a plugin called um, advanced custom fields where you can add groups of fields programmatically or conditionally to any WordPress entity. So in my case, I, I created a couple of fields, one for the link itself and one for a, a non-marked up version of the description. We'll come back to why that's necessary. Um, and I added those conditionally to the post type when the format is link. So now that when I go and create a new blog post, I can change the format to link and automatically those fields show up and I had them do some validation so I don't forget to add them. Mm -hmm. So I can't actually publish a link without including the link, <laughs> which would be embarrassing. <laughs> and then uh, I kind of launched with that. And when I launched, I didn't even do the rest of what I'm about to talk about. I finished this yesterday, but I just would create a post, write an excerpt, add a link, write a little bit more content, maybe include some screenshots, some captions, uh, you know, quick video, something like that. But the library items are super short posts. They're not meant to be very opinionated. They're really just, here's the information, here's where to find it type of thing. Um, maybe a little bit of snark here and there, but not much. Mm -hmm. And then, so I was including the link in that content and then also kind of including it in that custom field as a way of future proving it. And the reason I'm putting the excerpt or like the first sentence or two of the description and the link into custom fields, as opposed to the, the full content for the post is because there isn't really a good way to display large amounts of HTML in WebGL. So if I wanted to make UIs in Babylon.js or 3.js or A-Frame, I'd have to scrub out all of those paragraph tags and all of the HTML markup myself and get, get it to a point where it's a text-only version. And in addition, like, I'd have to find the link. So I'd have to like parse through this and find the specific link tag. And like, what if there are multiple links? Am I gonna just always do it in the right way? So that's where the custom fields come in, where I can reliably populate those fields. And then when I interrogate them later via the API, I can say, you know, give me all the, all the posts that have the format link that have a value in the link or the uh, library URL field. And then 
make all of my interactive 3D cards and you know, clicking on one of the cards would open the link in a new tab, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then having the excerpt there as plain text as well, I can display that on the card without having to parse through a bunch of HTML tags and get rid of those. So that's why I did that. Over time, on a long enough timescale, these things, or at least the second one, will become irrelevant when hopefully we can start rendering HTML on textures in WebGL at some point. But yeah. we're, not, we're not quite there yet. That's kind of how the site is built. Um, those enable me to have one kind of post feed for the site for all of the content. I can pin some posts to the top of the site so that when people visit the homepage, they can see things that I want them to see first. Um, so right now I've got one of the collections there and a note about the WebXR Summit that's happening tomorrow. And that also enables me to, I, I kind of customize the feed um, over the weekend. So I guess what I had done previously were in, inserting the link directly into the content and having it in the custom field. This weekend I went through and figured out how to use a WordPress filter, which is basically like, take all the content for this post during the WordPress loop, pass it through this function, do something with it and then pass it through the other side. So it's kind of like an in-out function okay. with the content. So I, I take the content in and add in the link from the field and then send it along. And I'm just pre-pending it for now. So now all of the links, I went through and updated all those posts and removed the hard-coded links. And now I can just pull the data directly from that link field at the beginning of each thing. And that allows me to add a whole bunch more kind of database normalized fields to the library items. So if I wanted to add like, you know, what devices I tested this on, I could have a checkbox like it was on Oculus Quest and it was on, you know, Rift S using Quest link mode or something like that. Um, so I can do that kind of stuff. And then I use that same filter methodology to add the link dynamically to the RSS feed items so that they show up there in the same way. And there was, I don't think I needed to do anything special to get those fields to show up in the REST API, but WordPress has a fully baked REST API that is, it's pretty darn good. Um, so that's what I'm gonna be using to build some of the more interactive stuff. Um, there isn't anything to look at yet. There's a, a landing page called labs on the site that people can go to and it just says coming soon. <laughs> that, that will be where I do some of those public experiments with the data. But yeah, um, that's what, you know, that's kind of what it is and how it's built now. Um, as, far, as far as what's going on, or what, I'm, what I'm doing next, lots more content. Yeah. Um, I've got another 30 links in my list of things to go through. I've got, you know, maybe 10 or so links in my, you know, revisit this, not quite ready to post this type of list. So I've got a lot of content to write. I've got some collection posts to do. I want to work with some other people in the community to maybe do some guest posts, like guest collections where you know, somebody in the, in this space could come in and write their own, you know, here's, you know, here's Dave's three favorite WebXR experiments for this quest or, or something like that. Um, so lots of stuff coming there. And then the lab stuff, working on the A-frame stuff, a little bit of A-frame, a little bit of Babylon JS, a little bit of 3JS. And what I'm currently leaning towards, or at least I want to spend some time learning about it, this uh, framework for 3JS that has incredibly good quality, high quality text in WebGL, way better than I've seen anywhere else. And it's super performant. 
which is great. Like the stuff I was doing in Babylon JS, those data cards that we did during the that I did on the a month of Babylon JS, those looked nice, but they, it performed really badly. I was getting like 30 frames a second, and I need to hit at least 60 to make people not sick. Yeah. Um, but Troika is this framework that is, is just super performant and full of examples. The downside is I, I think I need to use it in the context of a React app. So I'm gonna spend some time learning React 3 Fiber, which I have no idea why it's named that way, but it's basically <laughs> the WebXR version of 3JS with React. So I'm gonna spend some time learning those two things together. And then I'm also learning how to make a WordPress plugin that is a React app that can load on a specific page. So I can just do, I can do all the development on my local machine, you know, with a, a fake API to test locally and then roll it up into a plugin and deploy it to the site to pull data dynamically from the site. So it'll be a single page application, but rather than a single page application serving the whole site, it'll be serving just one corner of the site. And I may do it on a subdomain, but I probably won't. I'll probably just keep it on a page directly on the site. So I don't have to worry about the, the different origin stuff. Yeah, I was really impressed that you've got your core infrastructure with a minimal amount of code, mm. but leaving the door open to be able to go completely nuts yeah. in some little corner if you want to just be Joe, yeah. you just be crazy over, over here mm -hmm. and not have to worry about, oh, how does that fit in with my overall architecture? You can just kind of spawn these things off the sides and yeah. do whatever you want. Yeah, because I'm super into you know, building the UI stuff in VR, but I'm not particularly interested in, in engineering the back end and making my own APIs and stuff like that. I've just, I've done enough of that to know that that's boring, lucrative work. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great to pay the bills, but that's not really what I want to do in my hobby project. <laughs> so tomorrow is the WebXR Developer Summit. Um, this is the first event of this kind that I know of. It's put on by the folks who did the WebXR Awards in February. And it's basically just getting a whole bunch of people together to do some pre-recorded talks, some live talks, some fireside chats, live streams, all kinds of stuff. And it's happening tomorrow. I'm doing a little bit of work in the morning and it doesn't start until like 11 a.m. here. So I've got plenty of time to get work done in the morning and I'll spend the rest of the day watching stuff. It's a single track thing, so I can catch everything. I don't have to worry about oh, yeah. cho choosing one thing or another. But uh, if anybody who's been listening to this is at all interested in this WebXR stuff or wants to see what I'm talking about, um, go check that out. I'll probably post the schedule today or tomorrow, but there's there's a couple, like, what is this? What is this in the first place type of talks if you wanted to get kind of an intro? And I'm sure a lot of the stuff will be recorded if you can't catch it tomorrow. Uh, or if you're listening to this after tomorrow. <laughs> so yeah, WebXR Developer Summit. I'll have a link to it in the show notes. VR chess? We played a little chess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of the links in my extended collection library is called Construct Chess. It's made by this organization. I think the organization is called White Rabbit, like white with a V instead of a W. Okay. Um, they... They've got a couple of different projects going. They've got a podcast and a blog about WebXR development. And they run this site called Constructor Arcade where they, they put their own games and they 
publish games for other people as well. And they've got a way to monetize the stuff directly on the site. And they're also working on this uh, game engine, like WebXR game engine um, that looks really cool, but I haven't played with yet. But it's, it's kind of, it looks like the 3JS slash A-frame version of like the full Babylon JS stack. Like have Babylon JS is like, we're pretty much everything Unity can do or everything Unreal Engine can do within limits. Whereas 3JS is much more like, here's some 3D stuff, you know, go find everything else yourself. Right. Um, it looks like their game engine is much more of like, this is a game engine. Here are all the features that you would need in a game engine. Um, but they have a, a number of interesting little games on the site. I played quite a few of them. One of them was Construct Chess, which is multiplayer and re relatively easy multiplayer. Just, yeah. You just get a randomly generated code and you give it to your friend and then you're in the same place. And the code's at the top of the screen. Like it's like your room name, yeah. four digits. Do you want to join my room or do I want to join your, your room? You yeah. read me off the code, I enter it in and we're in the same world. It didn't have any voice chat that I was aware of, but we were already using the Oculus voice chat. But it would be kind of fun to like hop into the chess thing and tweet out the code and just anonymous, anonymously and quietly play chess <laughs> against a stranger. Like I have no idea who this is, but we're sharing the same space. If I did that, I'd get skunked. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we tried it out. Um, neither of us are very good at chess. They won both rounds. He didn't realize he was going to win the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I was moving into check and then the game just resets because yeah. apparently it was a checkmate. Yeah. But the, the second game went on for close to an hour. It was much more, okay, now we're in chess mode. Yeah. Um, I think we were relatively evenly matched. Or at least I was annoying Dave enough where he his moves weren't obvious, but yeah, it was yeah. pretty good. <laughs> Took a lot more effort to take a pawn. Mm -hmm. I but yeah, it was a it was a perfectly lovely little experience. Yeah, um, low friction. It worked. Some of the controller movements were being a little weird for me. Where yeah. repositioning the table seemed to be kind of reversed, and that like uh, trackpad natural scrolling versus reverse oh, yeah. scrolling it was that same kind of thing where me moving relative to the chess table was not it did not make sense to me yeah but you weren't having that experience yours were i think it had something to do with what orientation you were in when you went into vr mode versus when you mm. sat down on your couch like facing the other direction i don't think it had a lot to do with orientation like it wasn't like recentering your view or anything. I just sat on the floor in the middle of my play space and played it the whole time. But, but yeah, it was pretty good. Um, I need to look into how they did the multiplayer stuff because that that kind of lightweight, non-persistent, like just get a code, send it to my friends type of thing. That's really appealing for those little you know small social experiences. Yeah. So pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Check it out. If you've got a headset, and if you don't, we're getting close to that time where you just got to get one. Yeah. <laughs>